0: going to get started this morning um, I've got a few announcements before uh, we have a special music group perform for us this morning and um, also a special speaker that I want to introduce as well but first uh, if you notice on your seats there's little cards for our Easter egg hunt which is coming up pretty fast on March 31st uh, we've done this for many years here And it is a great outreach to the community, and that's why we continue to want to do it. We believe it is an effective way of making a contact with our community. I've had a couple of my coworkers come the last few years that wouldn't come to our morning service otherwise. And they hear the gospel. That's the important thing. The kids have fun. We had about 150 kids come last year. And then all their families, too, and they hear the gospel. And so uh, there's a sign-up that's going to start going around on this end here. This is the west end and kind of head out this way there's two pages one is for a work day a prep day on March 24th that's Saturday March 24th and then a sign up for helping on the 31st of the day of the hunt so uh, there's a lot of people signed up already but if you didn't get a chance to sign up last week that's going to start coming around here in a minute and then use those cards just give it to somebody that person on your mind and heart that you want to see come to Christ that person you want to have that relationship grow into a knowledge of the saving saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Um, And then also an announcement this morning on our uh, missionary offering that we're going to take, which we do every quarter. We're going to take that next week. And uh, I just want to highlight a couple of our missionaries. We have seven that we include in this offering each time. And so I just want to highlight a couple of them and then just flash the pictures again on the other five as well. But um, first of all, uh, Matt and Trista Deaver in Nepal. And uh, just uh, keep them in your prayers. They were in Nepal for a year. He was saved in our youth group about 20 years ago, then ended up in full-time missions in Nepal, but it was a difficult time for their family in their first year there. Um, She has a hard time traveling. They have a son with special needs. And so they're looking at maybe relocating to another Asian country that has a large Nepalese population in the near future that would be more suitable, would have a special needs school that would help with their child. So pray for the Deavers. And then uh, pray for Colin and Diane Lord serving Bible Bible translation in Papua New Guinea. Wycliffe Bible Translation has a large Bible translation center there. And they are serving there by teaching the missionary children, the children of those translators. So you think of missions work, and this is maybe not the first thing that comes to mind, but it's a pretty cool thing, and they're doing that through music. Uh, They were both music professionals. He taught in the Detroit school system as a band director. And uh, she was a music major from Drake University here in Des Moines. Um, and they're using their talents there to teach music over there. In fact, it's a good quality thing. Like, he teaches music theory there to these high school students, and a lot of them are able to pass out of the uh, college level music theory class as a result. So, Anyways, pray for them. Bob and Sue Cohen, keep praying for them and their ministry through Bible correspondence courses and Bible study materials in Uganda. Micah and Amy Tuttle, um, who we've had a long-time relationship with, who are relocated in Dubuque this year. Um, They're dear to our hearts. Um, Just pray for them this year as they're refocused in Dubuque, but they just took a trip back to Peru in January. Uh, Just Micah and Amy, no kids. Uh, So that was probably pretty fun for them. But uh, he also has a traveling schedule throughout this year, going to missions conferences and preaching and teaching and encouraging missions work around the world. Uh, Dan and Georgiana Akins, uh, former Mayes students as well. Um, they are in Brasov, Romania, using their music talents as well. But also, they have a real heart to develop future leaders there. And on the next slide, um, kind of a little picture of Brasov at the top, if you can see that there. They started a new evangelistic Bible study last month, so pray for that as that gets off the ground. Is a picture of one of the couples that are starting to come to that study, and then. You know, the picture's not real bright there, but one of the things that they have a real heart for is unity among the churches in Romania. And one way they're using their gifts to do that is through developing new worship songs for Romania. A lot of times in the past, they've just borrowed our American songs and kind of converted it into Romanian. Uh, but there's been disunity among the churches in doing that. They have their own different styles of doing it. So they've brought together a bunch of uh, worship leaders recently. And just last month, developed two new Romanian songs in Romania with the worship leaders there to try to promote unity among the churches. That's pretty cool. Um, Keep playing for our commended missionaries, Pablo and Bethany Calderon, serving with Dan and Georgiana and Brasov, Romania. Um, Also involved in that music ministry and in teaching at a school there. They just got four-year religious visas, so that's an answer to prayer. Then my sister, Lois, uh, Lucas and Lois Richard. They've been back on furlough, a break since November, but they're heading back pretty soon to Liberia. On the next slide here, you just get kind of a little picture of the school that they're trying to renovate that was 30 years old and into this new school. And then, uh, it's kind of a neat picture, what it looks like to be out there. Couldn't you see yourself taking a trip out into the jungle there in Liberia and visit them sometime? Um, And then on the next slide here, What they want to do this year is build a duplex for them and their Christian partners there. And there's some plans, and they're just getting it started. So it's a lot of manual labor to build a building out there in the jungle, and, you know, it's hard work. So thank you. Uh, So pray for that, those people, those missionaries. They're people who have left home and family and the world behind here as we know it and have gone out to serve the Lord in other parts of the world that need the gospel. I've heard one missionary put it this way, that here in America there are lifeboats on about every corner to save people, but in some of these places in the world there's, there's hardly a lifeboat. So pray for those who have gone out into the world to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to these places. Um, I'm going to pray now, and um, just as a reminder, we'll take our offering later in the service. We usually do it early in the service, but we'll do it towards the end this morning. After I pray, I'm going to introduce our special guest. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Lord Jesus. He is our Lord, our Savior, our King, and we thank you, Lord, for opportunities to spread the gospel locally through an Easter egg hunt and globally through supporting and praying for our missionaries. Uh, Please bless all these things to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I would like to introduce Lisa Cooper and the Emmaus Ensemble for a couple of songs this morning, and then I'll introduce our Yes, speaker. Don't you know that some things never change and our fiery trials are still the same. The saints of God must face the test. You can stand above the rest. take courage, friend, and walk on through. The Lord will face the fire in you. Stand with the saints and say yeah, yeah. my God will provide a way. Thank you so much uh, for coming. We heard a full concert from them last night, if you were able to make it, that was a great time. Um, and they're traveling on, they've got a couple more concerts, they're heading out to Omaha later today, so uh, think of them. And um, Emmaus Bible College is in Dubuque, Iowa, if you're not familiar with it. They're the Emmaus Ensemble, and they do a five-concert tour over their spring break, so thank you for giving up your time and, and coming to our church here. Um, I want to introduce our guest speaker this morning. We were going to have a uh, vice president of Emmaus here, John Glock, um, but his father, Dave Glock, who many of us know, a longtime professor at Emmaus, uh, his health condition has deteriorated, so keep him in your prayers as well. Um, a liver issue, cirrhosis of the liver, and just pray for him that he's able to return to his teaching ministry, Lord willing, soon. Uh, but I want to introduce this morning and his place, Uh, another professor from Emmaus who has stepped up uh, to come on short notice Mr. Roy Cozen, who is in the Bible and Theology department at Emmaus so let's welcome Mr. Cozen this morning
1: thank you very much I appreciate you allowing me to uh, substitute in for John Glock I know many of you have appreciated his ministry over the years as I have as well and again we want to express our just deep appreciation for your support of Emmaus Bible College and that happens on multiple levels first we need your prayers we desperately need you to pray for us pray for our students pray for us that seek to teach God's Word we are dependent on the Lord Uh, we seek to use the wisdom that God has given us but ultimately we know that we can't accomplish anything at Emmaus Bible College without your prayers many of you support us in many other ways and we appreciate that encourage students to come Uh, we believe that God has given us a good purpose to accomplish there and we have more room uh, to put more students and we think there's others uh, around the world that need to experience what we offer at Emmaus Bible College it's not for everyone but we think it's more for more people than than students than we have right now. So please, as you just interact with high school students that are considering, wondering what to do, uh, get them to come visit Emmaus Bible College. Uh, Like I say, we are not perfect, but the Lord is working. I've only been there a couple of years, and I've just been overwhelmed by our students. They encourage me in so many ways. Uh, They aren't perfect either, and they reveal my imperfections in wonderful ways, but they come with a heart's desire to learn God's Word. And so, if you can encourage them in any way, through your prayers or other things you can do to support Emmaus Bible College, I would encourage you to follow the Lord's leading and do that. So, again, I appreciate the opportunity of being able to open God's Word today. But before we open God's Word, I'll ask you just to listen to a story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son asked his father, give to me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country and there squandered all his property in desolate living when he had spent everything a severe famine took place in the land and he began to be in need so he went out and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him in to the field to feed the pigs he would gladly have filled himself With the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. When he came to himself. He said. How many of my father's hired hands. Have food enough to eat. And to spare. And here I am. Dying of hunger. I will get up. And I will go to my father. And I will say to him. Father. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he set out and went to his father. When he was still far off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion. And he ran to him, And put his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, quickly, get a robe, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, and and get the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now the elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he asked one of the slaves, what is going on? He said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf. And he said, and he began to be angry. And he refused to go in. His father came out and pleaded with him. And he said to his father, Listen, for all these years I have worked like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command. And you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who devoured your property with prostitutes came back, you killed the fatted calf for him. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice Because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost and has been found. You can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 if you are not already there. Luke chapter 15. It's been called... One of the most beautiful stories that have ever been told. Certainly, a lot of reasons for that. The main one being the Lord Jesus told that story. But there are many elements that make it an incredible, wonderful story that has been told many times and in many different ways. But part of the power of this story that we often refer to as the prodigal son is the context in which it takes place. Most, if not all, of Luke's parables that he recounts of the Lord Jesus, he connects with a certain, you know, aspects that was going on around him, certain situations or certain audiences. So in order to really grasp the meaning and purpose that we want to focus on this morning in this parable, we really need to go back to the beginning of Luke 15. So look with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 at the first couple of verses where Luke recounts the setting in which Jesus ultimately told this story. Luke chapter 15, begin reading in verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. It's interesting it says parable. But he's actually going to recount three parables. But I think Jesus is indicating there's really only one parable. There's one message. I'll read the other two that we're less familiar with than the story of the prodigal son. Verse 3, So he told them this parable, "...which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices." And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. So why does Jesus link these three parables Why does he speak these parables in the presence, and I think directly to the Pharisees and to the scribes, in the context of their rejection of him receiving sinners? Well, things are lost, and we're not going to have a lot of time this morning to spend on all the details of these other parables. It would be fun to go into some of the details, but essentially we have something that is lost. We have 100, and we lose one. We have 10, and we lose one and we have sort of maybe increasing value from sheep and lambs to coins Uh, so we have an increasing value but each one of these first two parables ends with a celebration and maybe seemingly an over celebration i mean to lose one lamb to lose one coin uh... doesn't seem too significant but it must have been valuable enough for let's call all the Friends and families around, and let's have a party. Let's have a celebration that this thing that was lost has been found. And then there is a spiritual, theological celebration that's brought in here at the end of each of these first two parables. Verse 7 says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance and then slightly modified in the second parable verse 10 just so I tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents and then obviously Jesus slows down and there's much more detail about this lost son and we get to verse 24 And they began to celebrate. And we say, okay, we know what the next word is going to be. It's going to be about joy in heaven. And maybe there's even an expanded version of the joy and rejoicing and going to take place in heaven because of this son. Now we have a literal person who has repented and come back to the father. And it's not there. I'm missing something. And this is common as we look at the scriptures with three things linked together. And then the third one is a little different to catch our our attention. Instead, in verse 25, we have now his elder son was in the field. The character that we thought was unimportant at the beginning of the story, the fact that we knew there were two sons, suddenly this son comes back in. So this morning, I just want to spend a few minutes and focus where I think Jesus is focusing the attention on this parable. And that is on the elder son. Now please, we could spend a long time recounting the wonder of the prodigal son's return. And we could wrestle with the sincerity of his repentance and in coming back. But I'll leave that for another day we certainly could spend a long time and we probably should contemplating the compassion and love of the father who certainly represents our good God who was waiting who stopped the prodigal son from finishing his confession and so did not make him as one of his hired hands or servants but called him back into sonship and back into the family but I'm going to leave those only as a means of contrasting with the elder brother or the elder son what we need to realize is that the picture that Jesus paints here is for the scribes and the Pharisees to realize that they have rejected grace and the evidence of this rejection of grace is clear in light of the older son You see, you reject grace first and is often most clearly seen when we reject it in the lives of others. And that's what we see clearly in the elder brother. Notice what he says in verse 25 or what he sees and experiences. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house he heard music and dancing. Now, I don't get into the dancing issue. I'm from the south, so, you know, we've got a whole different perspective on the dancing thing. You know, and you're looking at your translation. You say, are you sure they're dancing in there? Because I'm sure there's not supposed to be. And I agree with you, but I'm not going to wrestle with that. But there was obviously an incredible celebration that he heard from outside the house. So y'all worry about the dancing thing. We've got it taken care of down south. I don't know what you do up here. But there was an incredible celebration. And what what did the elder brother respond to rejoicing? It didn't take him long to figure out why the rejoicing was there, and he was not excited about rejoicing. You know, we reject grace, and we give evidence of the rejection of grace based on how we respond to rejoicing. We think it sounds easy. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those that weep. I have an okay time with that second thing, you know, because especially it allows me to sort of, wow, you're having that difficult situation. Glad I'm not. Wow, you're wrestling with that sin. Ooh, that's not one for me. But, you know, ooh, I'm going to feel your pain. I'm going to enter in. We'll weep and shed a little few tears and get in with that. You know, that, that's okay. You know, I can appreciate that. That sort of helps my pride out, if I'm honest. But this rejoicing thing, when somebody gets something that I don't get, when somebody's healthy And I'm not. When somebody's marriage is just wonderful and glorifying to the Lord, and mine is an absolute wreck. When my children are going astray and somebody else is boasting about how wonderful they are, they're all at a mass Bible college, and they're all doing so wonderful, and they're all going to end up on the mission field, and isn't that great? And we're like, no, I don't want to rejoice. I'm not getting that. And the elder brother hears rejoicing and he rejects the grace that has been offered to this terrible, awful, bad prodigal. And our response to rejoicing is a good indication of whether we are rejecting the grace of God for others. Notice something else That the elder brother remembers Remember The father was quick To put on the robe To put on the ring To put on the sandals To kill the fatted calf Notice What the elder brother remembered In verse 30 When this son of yours Came back Who devoured your property With prostitutes Maybe the stories had gotten back. Maybe this is an accurate reflection of what the prodigal son had done. I, I would think it probably is. I'm sure the stories from the far country had come back. Maybe it was an assumption by the elder brother. But either way, this is what the elder brother remembered. The sin. Oh, yeah. Oh, God forgave you. We need to pray for him. Yeah, I'm so glad God has received you. And grace of God, don't give him any leadership responsibility. We, we gotta wait. We gotta see. Cause remember what he did, and we'll keep praying about that. Uh, that will influence you a long time. They're not getting over that easily, no, oh, sirree. I've seen people get affected by that. Been out to that place? Hmm. I have an awesome awesome challenge as I interact with incredibly wonderful young people but in some cases I stand as an authority figure in their lives and I'm exposed to a lot of different things that they do and don't do all but one of them has at least had to endure one of my classes some have I had to endure three of my classes already. I'd only been here for two years. We're a small school. They don't have a choice. I know. They go on, you can, uh, what is it, the, the website? Um, rateyourprofessor.com. Yeah, and I'm probably there. But whether they like the rating or not, they don't have a choice. <laughs> they can only sign up for my class. And so I hear and see a lot whether they show up for class. I'm sorry, I'm talking to the other students. None of these, none of these. I'm, I'm sorry, I I know what they do on papers, and it's really easy for me to define them in light of those things and remember those things. When I do that, I'm not appreciating God's grace working in their lives, and I also rob an appreciation of God's grace for myself. So I seek to work really hard To not remember numbers Or letters I try and remember names You know how I'm bad with that too But I try, I really do But I don't want to remember numbers And letters And I don't want to remember sins And failures and faults If the Father chose Who knows everything To get the robe on To get the ring on, to get the sandals on, how do I stand and say, no, they can't have God's grace yet? How can I say, I will decide when you are deserving of God's grace? We reject God's grace for others. But the elder brother had another problem. He rejected God's grace for himself. Look down at his response to the father. In verse 28, he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out, began to plead with him, but he answered his father in verse 29 Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. You reject the grace of God when you're focused on what you do in the field. When you are quick to remind at least yourself, you wouldn't remind other people, but remind yourself that wow, I'm I'm always on time. I'm not sure, what happened to those other people. I always pitch in and serve. I always step up and volunteer. I always serve the way God wants me to serve and in my mind at least and we may let out the words sometimes we're focused more on what we do in the field and I can only say this is because I'm a professional older brother I was good I kept the rules I followed what I was supposed to do I did the commands and I had the attitude that somehow I deserved God's grace because I had always done what was commanded I had worked like a slave for God surely there's something that I deserve of God's grace I think there were two words that weren't supposed to be in the same sentence. But we tend, I tend, to want to be reminded of all the stuff I do in the field and think that somehow connected with God's grace to me. Somehow, because of what I have done or am doing for God, there must be some aspect of God's grace. The elder brother is not done. Not only is it because of what he's done, he also rejects God's grace because of what he doesn't have. Notice in verse 30, or 30, uh, yeah, 30. But when this son of yours came back who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And then back, I'm sorry, back in uh, verse 20, in verse 29. Yet you have never given me even a young goat That I might celebrate with my friends It's hard again To see others blessed By God And we don't have that I don't know how long the elder brother Had his eye on the fatted calf He probably for years Had watched it get fatter And fatter And fatter And he thought I deserve that surely I should get some of the celebration surely I should enjoy the fatted calf at least a young goat something where I could enjoy and have a celebration with my friends but he ultimately rejected God's grace because he was looking at the things that he didn't have and he was quick to realize that in a moment The prodigal son, the younger son, had received all of this stuff. All of these things that he deserved, now the prodigal son had. Why not me? Why don't I get some of the blessing of God? Why do I struggle with this trial, with this tribulation, with this difficulty? and then this person that hasn't done near the stuff in the field that I have done we make a big deal we celebrate we have a party you see the key aspect of the older brothers rejection of God's grace is he didn't understand grace at all you see the fatted calf and the ring and the sandals are not grace They're evidences of grace. They're good gifts, but they're only evidences of grace. And we get hung up sometimes on the evidence of grace rather than grace. And the Father makes it clear what real grace is when he makes the final statement that is not answered at the end in the last verse what does the father say verse 32 but we had to no, i'm sorry back up one verse in the last response to the elder brother verse 31 then the father said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours do you see how the father is defining real grace you Are always with me now in a sense the elder son was not with the father he was in the field but the father was saying you had access to the house you could have had everything and in fact you know the father split at the beginning who was getting the other half the older brother it was all his, but he didn't connect the grace of God with the Father. You see, the evidence of grace, the good gifts that God give, all should point us back to God the Father. If the evidences of grace distract us, if the fatted calf, if the robe distracts us from the relationship with the Father, then they're of no value. And that's what the elder brother, he said, I want this stuff. The father said, you got to want me. Because the only way you can appreciate and enjoy the grace of God is connected with the father. Only with a relationship with him. Only joined to him. And the father's begging the elder brother, you are always with me. All that I have is yours. And we're told that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. With Christ, we have everything that we need, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we get hung up on a little differences of the evidences of grace that this person has that we don't have. God must love them a little bit more than they love us. No, those are the evidences of grace which we should celebrate when God blesses someone. Rejoicing with those that rejoice, even if we don't have it? Celebrate. Because that's not the grace. The grace is a connection with the Father, being related to him. And the elder brother didn't get it. The last words of the Father, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours doesn't remind him of his sin was dead and has come back to life he was lost and has been found you'll notice and I don't like this one but I think it's true the grace of God is not only linked with the father it's linked with the other brother it's linked with the other members of the family of God you know I want to have God's grace by myself that works really good me and God Quiet time, good. Praising, worshiping him. Praying, it's good. And we do. I'm not denying that we receive God's grace in that context. But God's full measure of grace, I believe, is poured out in the body of Christ. And guess who should be in the body of Christ? A lot of younger brothers. A lot of prodigals. There's two fields in this story. There's the field in the foreign country with the pigs where the prodigal went. And there's the field that the elder brother came out of and heard the music and dancing. May I suggest to you that there is no real difference between those two fields? There's a lot of sin going on In the field with the pigs in the far country. But if you're an older, elder son like me, a Pharisee or a scribe, then you must also realize there's a lot of sin going on in the field that's near the Father's house. Where we do the right stuff, where we obey all the commands but we haven't connected with the Father. I was supposed to give you off the porch. They put away the slide. You're still trying to figure out. In the South, we, have, we know how to do porches. Now, of course, the weather's a lot better, so we got these big wrap-around porches. Porches are a fun place to be. We love to be on the porch in the South. Now, Probably the big porches happened when before there was air conditioning, and where else were you going to spend the summer? And you weren't going to be in the house. You were going to be on the porch, so drinking iced tea, right? Now we have air conditioning, so the porches have gotten smaller. Porches are fun places, except in this story. The elder brother refused to go in. He came and approached the house. He heard the music and dancing. He got the invitation from the father to come in and enjoy the celebration. Could he have had just as much of the fatted calf as the younger son? Yeah. Is there a limit to the number of fatted calf that was available? Was they going to run out of the fatted calf? No. Is there a limit to God's grace? Do you think because the younger son gets some of God's grace, somehow there's less for you? No, there's plenty. But the only place you could enjoy the celebration was inside the house with the father and with the younger son. Did he still smell a little bit like pig? Maybe. Probably. But he's got a nice robe on. He's got a nice ring on. He's got nice sandals on. And he's having a feast. And he's having a party. And you and I can't truly enjoy the grace of God. Unless we get off the porch and we come join the party. The father's there, because the father's going back in. He's going to leave the elder son out there if he doesn't come in. The story ends asking the question that I think I'm asking a little different way, but are you going to come in and enjoy the celebration, enjoy the party? There could be some dancing going on there. I don't know. Uh, you know, It's a little scary, you know, but if the father's in there? And there's a party and a celebration going on. It's good stuff. (laughs) I mean, you know. And is it my job to judge the celebration? Or is it my job to join in and welcome the son with the same welcome as the father? And say, I'm glad you're receiving God's grace. And when you open that door as an elder brother and get off the porch, it might be the first time that you have ever really tasted the grace of God. And let me tell you, only by God's grace did he pull me off the porch. <laughs> and yeah, it was probably pulling. And it helped me to come inside. And I found a bunch of younger brothers in there. My first response is, what in the world are they doing celebrating? And they still smell like pig. And only by God's grace did he help me to turn and look at my father who, Jesus, who through Jesus Christ had provided grace for the younger brother the prodigal and had provided grace for me the prodigal the older brother And by his grace I, and he's still working on me I'm trying to come and see that younger brother have compassion on them run to them Put my arms around them. I don't know about the kissing stuff. We'll save that. And say, Welcome to the enjoyment of God's grace. And I want to enjoy it with you because there's plenty to go around. So let me encourage you. I don't know if you're an older brother. I speak from experience. Let me give you a couple of signs of maybe, maybe. You being an elder brother. Some of you, when I started the story, you were like, I know that story. Yeah, I got this. Some of you were like, it's in Luke. Yeah. Luke 15. Because I went to Bible college. Luke 15. Yeah, I know where that is. Just, just a warning, not guaranteeing, but maybe if you came up with Luke 15 possible you have the tendency to be an elder brother now some of you were like mm, that's a little strange version that he's quoting not sure that I've heard that version let me open my bible i know he said to wait i'm gonna open my bible oh yeah that's a little different version than than i'm used to yeah you might be qualified <laughs> to be an older son I know for me I keep my eyes on what I've done when I'm being an older son and I think about all the wonderful things that I'm doing for God and I take my focus off of the celebration of God and His grace and others enjoying His grace sometimes I'm bothered by the stuff I'm missing stuff that surely God should bless me with And I'm falling back into being an elder son. By God's grace, he comes out again when I put myself back on the porch. And he says, come and enjoy the party. Come and enjoy the celebration. You are always with me. All that I have is yours. And he welcomes me back. Offers me his grace, afresh and as new, not... I'm saved, I'm I'm a child But he says, don't forget Don't ever forget Daily, moment by moment I want you to experience My grace In wonderful ways May God encourage us Wherever you are at in this story And if need be, challenge our hearts That we might be open To truly receiving His grace Oh, you join me as we give God thanks? Father, we thank you for the good gifts that you provide. Thank you that all of them flow through your Son, the Lord Jesus, who though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. And because of that, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we taste it afresh and anew. May we listen to your voice as you remind us of when we've stepped away from the enjoyment of your celebration, the enjoyment of your grace, the enjoyment of watching others enjoy your grace. Thank you that you as a patient father are waiting for us to come into the house. Whether in the field with the pigs or whether in the field with our legalism. You are a good and a gracious God. Take your word and apply it to our hearts. May we be changed as a result of thinking about you and your grace
2: through the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Indeed, the grace of God was never made evident more than at the cross where he made it possible for us, whether we're a prodigal or a problemed older child to come in and fellowship with him and so as we close our service we're going to uh, celebrate the Lord's table we're going to remember God's grace in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross and uh, pay that penalty for us as our praise team they're going to come they're going to lead us in a couple of songs as the elements are distributed I'm going to Pray for the element, if your elements. If you're here this morning and you're trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to participate. We do invite you to take a few moments before you come up and take the bread or in the cup, which is located at the front and at the, bank, the back of the sanctuary, to just examine your heart and to let the challenge from this morning kind of soak in and say, Lord. Am I really one who has received your grace at all? Or am I one who's kind of resisting it and I need to repent in either case and receive uh, what Christ has done for me? So we come, and our, our practice is that you'll come and uh, take the bread and the cup at the same time, and then file back and then join in as we praise uh, the Lord together. We'll do be taking up the offering during the second song as the praise team leads, so let's pray. Father, as we think about your grace, Lord, I thank you for the fact that you chase after the lost. You chased after every one of us here, names the name of Jesus as Savior and Lord. We're saved by your grace. I thank you that you provide that opportunity for those of us who are saved by grace and yet resist and resent that and reject that grace in the lives of others and even in our own lives. And I thank you that whether we're a prodigal out in the feeding the pigs or whether we're a prodigal son who's near home but in a different field, your grace is made available and free for all of us. Thanks for these This demonstration, this reminder through the taking of these elements, the bread and the cup, to remind us of your body broken and your blood shed that we might have life in Jesus' name. Amen.